In the vast, overcrowded forest of politics, there's an overpopulation of rhinos, and we are the exterminators. This is What's Happening Idaho. What's Happening Idaho. Idaho's conservative voice. If it's happening on the right, we're talking about it. And if it's happening on the left, we're laughing about it. Welcome to What's Happening Idaho. And now your hosts, Josh and Kirsten. Back to the program. Today, again, we are joined with a special guest filling in for Kirsten. We have Representative and soon-to-be Senator Tammy Nichols joining us. Tammy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Good. Doing excellent. It's good. And I can add another title, I guess, now to my yes. <laughs> to my thing now, right? My lineup? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. I did. Uh, so, well, why don't you go ahead and tell me your Yeah. Your so, um, so, a few weeks ago, uh, one of the local radio stations, I think it's Mix 106, came out with a top 10, like, hottest male legislators. And uh, I saw that and I just, I got a kick out of it. And I know a lot of the, the male legislators in there got a kick out of it too. Well, then they did just about a week ago, they came out with the um, top 10 hottest female legislators. And so uh, that was sent over to me too. And I was scrolling through it and lo and behold, I got the hottest legislator <laughs> in the state of Idaho. So I, I appreciate that. I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. I thought it, they were all fun and it was fun to read through the reasons why they came up with the, the list that they did for both the guys and the girls. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just going to add that to my, my resume now. You um, yeah. Why not? Right. Print it on your business cards. Yeah. I mean, they said that I looked like a, a James Bond girl. And so, and I love the James <laughs> Bond movies and I've always been intrigued by, by the females that are in the James Bond movies because they're kind of, you know, this sexy, bad, like girl, you know, that's mm-hmm. in there and, uh, but they have skill. Yeah. And so, um, I take that as a compliment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so congratulations thank on that you. title. Thank Very you so much. And thank you mix one Oh six for the, for the, uh, the, uh, award. I, I don't know if I actually get an award, but, um, I get bragging rights, I guess. Right. They should send you something. Maybe I mean, a certificate. It, yeah. At minimum. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, it was, it was all fun. We had a good time talk. I was talking with some of the other legislators and it was all really fun to, to talk about and just, just have a good time. Politics has to be a little fun every once in a while. It can't always be serious. That's right. Yeah. Well, what have, what have you been up to since our last show? Oh goodness. Um, we're getting ready for the state party convention coming mm-hmm. up. So I've been working on some resolutions. Uh, one that has to do with, um, the second amendment, because we know that gun issues are becoming a really hot topic again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're seeing more and more pushes to try to start, um, taking away those second amendment rights that we have. And, uh, and so I just really felt that we need to, as a state, as a party, really stand strong on the second amendment. Um, and also against the red flag laws that they're trying to push. So I'm re- I wrote a resolution in regards to that. So I'll be sending that into the state party. Hopefully it'll be heard. Um, basically, it's just saying we stand against the red flag laws. This is why. And that Idaho needs to be a Second Amendment sanctuary state. So um, so that's kind of my, my push with that one. And um, so that's my big one. And we're working, you know, just trying to get everything ready for, for that. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of different resolutions coming about, a lot of um, 
uh, maybe some rule changes. Hard to say. Yeah. I saw what Texas did. Yeah, with I their was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk about that? Oh, a little go bit? ahead. Start us off. So they're, they, well, they basically said that they do not um, validate the election. They do not believe Biden won and, or that he won uh, fairly. Yeah. That there was fraud um, that took place and that there needs to be some changes to their election process to secure the elections. Yeah. Yeah. There was quite a few things that they went over, but um, you know, one thing that I am curious about because seeing Texas, the Republicans out there be that staunch in their stances because it was more than just that. I know that there was one dealing with uh, homosexuality. Yeah. Right. And there was just a bunch in there and, and I, it all um, had to do with their platform. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So you see that they are saying, we're going to take this hardline stand. We're going to be conservative. We're going to be what Republicans are supposed to be. I wonder if that's going to help or hurt the party. Yeah. You know, I think we're to this point though, where people, people are so tired of the craziness, mm-hmm. the, the living in the twilight zone, so to speak, that they want truth and you know, we talked about um, Matt Walsh's "What uh, What Is a Woman." I finally saw that. Did by you the way. see it? Yeah, okay, we'll good. have to talk about that. Um, and you know how he's talking about the truth is just being made up to, and it's it's relative. It, there's no absolute, and I think people really want to get back to absolute truth, where we actually are standing and saying, "No, this is what facts are. This is what truth is." Yeah, and we're not deviating from that. And it doesn't matter what your feelings are on this stuff. Facts don't care about your feelings. It's a famous Ben Shapiro thing that he always says. Facts do not care about your feelings. And we're, I think we have to get back to truth, to absolute truth. And so if it causes a hard stance on some things and saying, no, we're not accepting this. No, we don't support this. So be it. Yeah. You know, I even saw something on Twitter. You know, you saw, we talked about what happened up north. We talked about the inappropriate things that were happening at the pride parades, different things like that. Yeah. You, you do have to take those strong stances. There was a man on Twitter. He went live at a drag or cross drag. I don't event. know what it's called. Yeah. It, it wasn't a drag event. It was a book reading at a, Oh, uh huh. Drag queen story time. Yes. Drag mm-hmm. queen. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and what he did was he stood up with his phone and he said, why do you guys have a convicted sex offender in here? Yeah. Why are you allowing this convicted sex offender, this pedophile, right, in this room with these children? You guys are all sick. So he did his research and he found out, oh, this crossdresser is a convicted sex offender. He's a pedophile. Yeah. And now we're supposed to all smile and and be cool with him reading. and accept them. No, absolutely not. Right. That's insanity. And and there's a ton of that. I mean, I've seen many many different reports coming out where these people that are dressing up mm-hmm. as drag queens do you have a background? A lot of them are pedophiles. They have been accused of, of child sex abuse and different things like that. And, and what an easy way for them to get to, to children yeah. is just proclaiming that I'm a drag queen and I'm going to come read stories to your kids. And is there any background check that's done on that? No, of course not. No. And they're just allowed to just come right in. Um, you know, I actually saw a video of a drag queen not too long ago, sitting down for a report. And this this guy, I mean, he was spot on with what he was saying. He was saying, why would you want to basically um, put drag queens on a pedestal and have them be an example for your children? And then yeah. he w- goes on to say, would you allow a stripper 
or, you know, some exotic dancer to be the example for your children? Of course you wouldn't. So why are you doing this to drag queens? I saw that. And he actually went on to say, we've got a history as pedophiles. Like we have this baggage that we're trying to get rid of. Yeah, like we're, we've been we're labeled gonna, this. We're going to bring this around to Yeah, children. And you're it's not a, helping our cause. Yeah. And you're not helping us. We're entertainers and we're here to entertain adults, yeah. not children. Well, and it's like, did you hear what he said about, you don't understand like what we do with these shows. Yeah. It's all sex, sex drugs, drugs and, and rock and roll, roll basically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's insane to me when I see that parents mm-hmm. want to say, so strong, so brave, let's go and support this smile as this smut and, and. Even and this is okay. Yeah, no, it's child abuse. It, it is. is purely child abuse, and you have to call it what it is in order to deal with it. And it's child abuse. Yeah. One thing that uh, doesn't help us, though, right? And I have to call it out because when you see something that is trying to make things look worse than they were, it doesn't help us either. The video of the drag queen up north. Oh, uh huh. They blurred to make it look like this person wasn't wearing any underwear. Uh huh. Now I gotta say. This person was wearing underwear, but that's still disgusting. Right. Like that is enough on its own for us to be able to stand and say, this is disgusting. This is child abuse. Don't show this disgusting things. If you wouldn't have a problem with, if you'd have a problem with me walking around little kids in my underwear, you should have a problem with that. (laughs) Uh, um, A magical lipstick. Yeah. Grown male dressed up. It doesn't, it doesn't cover up the fact that that is disgusting. Yeah, exactly. No. And we don't have to, we don't have to, um, you know, make, make things up to make it, to get our point across. It's bad enough as, as it is. Yeah. So we don't have to make things up to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Going to the book banning. I actually read a couple excerpts from some of the books that were banned oh, uh-huh. from the schools here well and we have to clarify from the schools so i've been really careful on using the word banned because it's up to the schools to be able to determine books that they're allowing or not allowing right yeah. and and same with the libraries and everything else those are tax-funded institutions mm-hmm. and so um it's not like we're getting rid of the books that you're if you're caught with them that you're going to jail or yeah. anything like that so it's just removing the books but I know, I know, band's been been used as as a term too. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, and words do matter. Right. So it's important that we do use those correct. Oh my goodness, I sound like a liberal. We've got to use the correct labels. <laughs> no, words have meaning. <laughs> they do. They yeah. they hold weight, and we need to make sure that we're using them and using them with power. So you're absolutely correct. But some of the excerpts have been floating around online, and mm-hmm. it is disgusting. It's just oh, as yeah. I said with Kirsten. It is not just saying. And then there was incest, and then there was rape. It's not like that. No, this is going into detail. Yeah. This is, son, watch me rape my daughter. I mean, disgusting things. Oh, horrible. And they they are fighting for this to be in our schools? Yeah. I have some of those books. Um, I've had some of those books for like the last eight years when I really got into the education issues yeah. that were going on because that's how I got into politics was because of education, what was going on, um, what I was seeing it happening in my kids' classrooms. And... Uh, and yeah, it's very, very, very concerning, yeah. very disgusting. Um, in fact, uh, and we're, go- we're going to have a guest on um, coming up. Uh, and this guest, I actually sat down and read some of those excerpts uh, during the legislative session because of uh, a bill that we were, we were working on, um, House Bill 666, in regards to a loophole uh, with libraries and different entities being able to give out um, suggestive and explicit material to children. And so I actually sat down and read 
from those books that you're mm-hmm. talking about, the excerpts from them, and it had everything to do with rape, incest, um, you know, masturbation, um, male on male, female on female. I mean, the list went on and on, and this is the I, stuff that's in libraries and where children have access to it. So I went camping for Father's Day, nice. and I came back, and I had something I ordered. And it's a book that some of the stuff you're referencing is coming from it. I ordered It's Perfectly Normal mm-hmm. because it is no longer enough for us to scream and shout, this is inappropriate. Yeah, People aren't going to get it. So yeah. now I'm going to start sticking this in these liberals' faces. I'm going to say, is this picture okay? Yeah. Is that, a, is that all right? Yeah. Should we show this to children? That is one of my favorites. I actually have that one too. Yeah. And the reason it's one of my favorites and one that I bring up a lot of the time is because that book was sent to a prison in Washington state for them. They were going to donate those books to them. It's perfectly normal. And the prison went through the books and sent them back and said, those are too suggestive for our prisoners. So we are not accepting your, your donation. And yet it is geared for 10 years and up. Wow crazy it's disgusting it is it is very disgusting well you know we could sit here and we can go on i could spend forever i think you can hear the passion in my voice absolutely you know when it comes to children there's you know jesus laid it out perfectly that there is those are the ones that you're supposed to protect right right and it is our job to protect children from this evilness not put them in a place where you walk away and they could you know, be sexually they're on their own. pedophile. Yeah, they're on their own. It's up to them to survive. Yeah. yeah. No, we're supposed to be shepherding our kids. And yeah. as parents, it's our job to help them through, you know, growing up yeah. and getting them to the point where they can be successful and, uh, you know, good, good people when they grow up. And so yeah. why would you want to put your children in that kind of position? I, it's beyond me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's get to our guest. So we have with us uh, Josh Phillip. And he is with uh, Crossroads. Um, so Josh, I met him a few years ago at an event that we were at, and they were just kind of getting things going. And they they have he's it's part of the Epoch Times or mm. Epic Times, depending on where you live. Um, and uh, you know, we we got acquainted, and I've um, worked with him on some stuff, helping him with a few things, and they have just gone gangbusters uh, getting information out there. They're one of the few news sources you can go to that is not biased and just like we were talking about, gives you the facts yeah. on, on what's transpiring instead of, uh, you know, what's, what's the, the agenda that we're trying to push <laughs> in yeah. the world. So, so anyway, um, Josh, we're really glad to have you on today. Oh, thank you, Tammy. And Josh, good to meet you. You as well. So, uh, you are the host of Crossroads. That is a show that's uh, on Epoch Times, and, and you go around and you you interview people and discuss different things with them about what's happening currently. I know with Tammy, you guys talked about, I believe, House Bill 666. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, I actually had them come and uh, do some interviews because of some of the things we were doing in the legislature and House Bill 666 um, on the sex ed portion of what was transpiring. And uh, so, yeah, they came in and hung out with me probably the longest day that they could have chosen (laughs) at the Capitol. (laughs) It was a long day. Um, But yeah, so they came in and and talked about that. So, Josh, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do and a little bit about Crossroads and and, uh, Epoch Times? Yeah, sure. So I've been with Epoch Times since 2006, and I've been an investigative reporter since 2008. Um, my whole 
work here started when I accidentally, well, 2008 summer internship, I accidentally uncovered uh, one of the Chinese Communist Party's largest spy operations in the United States. And then uh, I launched a multi-year-long investigation. Some people went to prison for it. It was interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Um, later on, of course, I launched my show, which is Crossroads. So I'm a senior investigative reporter, and I do my show. And some of my programs people might know of, uh, I did a, a documentary at the very beginning of the pandemic called Investigating the Origins of the Wuhan Coronavirus, because at that time it was still called the Wuhan Coronavirus, mm. you know, COVID-19. Right. And, you know, of course, we traced it back. We, we pretty much looked down every avenue of possible origin, and we found the most likely one is the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And so we, we kind of blew the whistle on this whole thing. In fact, I, I, our documentary we did with that, um, probably put that on the map. We got, I think, 150 million views before Facebook wow. decided nobody should see it anymore. And <laughs> but I, I assume a lot of people probably did see that, or at least heard of it. And uh, yeah, I've just been chipping away ever since. I, I do a daily show, uh, well, a few days a week, live Q and A, and then I do, of course, interviews like we had you on, Tammy, talking yeah. about House Bill 666, and also talking about um, some of the uh, CPS, Child Protective Services you know, borderline kidnapping programs they have and how that whole thing works. Right. No, and, you know, we, we got a got. I personally had a lot of good response that came off of that. Um, there was more people that contacted me uh, after uh, the, especially the CPS thing that aired, uh, telling their story and what was going on, you know, in their situations. And so that really opened up, I think, a really good dialogue for people to really start you know, think, thinking about what, what is really transpiring and are these um, child protective cases really necessary or are they utilizing those to, for other, other intent? So, so we really appreciate you, you putting that out there. And it, uh, you know, fortunately for the family that we had here in Idaho, they ended up with a really good outcome. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, partially because we had people really standing up you know, in the state here and also because of you guys, you know, kind of exposing that um, to everyone else in the nation um, because it's not the first time we've, we've heard about, uh, you know, what, quote unquote medical kidnapping cases that are transpiring. Yeah. You yeah. know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound a common outcome, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, it was a wild case. Yeah. I think, you know, I think part of it is, is that we've had the perfect storm, right? With the COVID and the lockdowns, people are tense. I, people are still tense. I'm still tense, right? Uh, you know, and I think that that's one of those things. There was a lot of good media put on that, you know, spotlighting it. Yeah. And, you know, Idahoans, we're, we're known fighters. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. And, and we were just talking earlier, uh, Josh, that, uh, you know, people really have a hunger for the truth. They really want to know what's actually going on. Um, we're fed so much misinformation, if you will, on what's transpiring. And we're seeing that more and more, it seems like, um, is that something that you're seeing a lot of? I mean, just all the misinformation and just the desire for truth. Yeah. And I've seen it for a long time. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I first started, when I first got involved in journalism, that was 2006, I was a bit oblivious to this stuff. You know, I generally thought most media held some decent standards. But then I just started noticing a pattern over time where when you have to go through the reporting process yourself, let's say a story breaks or media are writing an article about a report or a government transcript or something like that, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, of course, there's the surface story. And I think a lot of journalists make the mistake of just going and rewriting other people's stories. basically. But when you actually go and you retrace the process of reporting that other journalists do, like you go and you read the actual report or you watch the full video of the speech or, you know, you speak to the person who they interviewed, you start hearing over and over again that people say, oh, yeah, they quoted me out of context. Yeah. You start seeing over and over again that they, you know, if they if they quote from a report, it's usually like they quote from the intro or outro, and they doesn't look doesn't look like they read the thing at all. And if they do, they often selectively quote things, and it's usually not representative of what, of what the report says. And when you start piecing this together, you start realizing this really concerning picture that people's entire worldviews are based on the collective, you know, body of information they're being fed. And if every single piece of that body has a flaw in it, has something untrue in it or misrepresenting information in it, you start to realize people have a really warped sense of reality, right. you know, caused, caused, I now think, intentionally by really biased or maybe bought off journalists. You know, I used to think it was just negligence or laziness. Now I, I'm really, I really believe a lot of journalists do it intentionally. And yeah, it's, really concerning. And I think people are naturally trusting these organizations less and less because of it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, we we know in our state, you know, our local media, especially the newspapers, uh, the trust seems to have gone way downhill. I mean, subscriptions have gotten lower. They don't have the the subscribers that they once did. They're having to find other ways to be able to generate a revenue. Um, There's been multiple bankruptcies uh, of our local media here. Uh, and so, yeah, I really do feel that, you know, people do have a, a more of a distrust now in what, what they're being told in the media than ever before. And that's really unfortunate because, you know, the media was always the, the source to go to to be able to get the news. But there's so much bias that's built into into these media stories now, like you're saying. And and I, it does feel, you know, that it is on purpose, that there is an agenda that they're trying to drive and uh, and the the best way that they're able to do that is through the media. You know what's interesting? I, I have to hop in here. What's interesting about the media here in Idaho, and you talked about the bankruptcies and, and things like that. They have lost a lot of subscribers, and they're trying to think outside of the box. How do yeah. we fund this, right? The thing that surprises me is, is you know who they remind me of? Is government. Yeah. Government is the only, <laughs> the only entity that will say, we're losing money, and they don't care. They're not going to course correct. Right. You know, with the media, they're supposed to be, you know, a an independent business. And, and myself as a business owner, if I'm losing money, I'm going to look for ways to correct the course sure. or abandon ship. But the media here in Idaho is, is saying, you know what, we're going to stay the course. We're going to keep wondering keep how doing we're, what we're doing. Yeah. How, what's happening here? I don't, I don't understand. We're losing all this money. But you know what? We're on the right path. It, it's insanity to me. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, and I think, you know, that's what I appreciate about like Epoch and, and, you know, sources like Breitbart and Newsmax and different places like that. I mean, you know, when I watch those and I do watch CNN, I do watch some, you know, MSNBC and some of those because I want to get both sides. And just the, just the way the delivery is done is so night and day. And uh, it's, it's just amazing to me. So yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I think I think it, kind of the writing was on the wall back in 2016 when Trump won the election. Yeah, and I, I point back to this sometimes because if you remember, there was a New York Times article, if I remember it right, and it said something essentially like, "How did we get 
you know, things so wrong. They were, they were thinking Trump had like a 2% chance of winning or 12% chance of winning. Remember that? The polls were stacked against him. There's no chance Trump is going to win. You know, they were having their victory parties. They They had everything ready for Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) They had their magazines printed with Hillary on the cover, you know, declaring for the winner. And then like, they realized that they all got it wrong. And I I think even South Park had had an entire episode of Hillary's victory and they had to remake the episode last minute, (laughs) you know, like all this stuff. And they they came out and they said, how did we get it so wrong? And it looked like they were going to do some soul searching. Yeah. And really, it looked like it things were going to change. And then what do they do? They roll out this entire program and they say, no, we didn't get things wrong. The problem is there's this uh, white supremacy in America <laughs> or there, there's the alt-right. And we need to actually start censoring the Internet. Right. Censoring YouTube and kicking people off. And that's the solution. And that remember, that's when they rolled out a lot of the programs that start you know, cleansing fact checkers, alternative voices. In fact, they yeah, have fact checkers and all that stuff. <laughs> give, they crack me up. I mean, the fact checkers just crack me up. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, that is, that is, word. I think that is what kind of started everything all off because things did not go the way that they had planned. And instead of owning what they did, they had to, they had to put that onto, onto another group or other individuals because they don't want to be responsible for what they did. Deflect. Yeah. Well, they didn't, they didn't want to admit that they, they didn't want to admit they got it wrong and then change. So they tried changing everybody else instead. Right. Right. Exactly. Amazing. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're involved in right now. Some of the things that you have going on. And I know there's several Supreme court rulings that are starting to come out. Um, I think there was one today on school choice, Mm -hmm. um, in regards to religious education and parents being able to have the ability to, you know, receive funds to, um, send their children to religious institutions. So tell us a little bit about some of those things and, uh, some things that you're working on. Well, Tammy, I I have the tendency to to make trouble for myself because I'm (laughs) constantly, constantly giving myself more work than I should. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, true. (laughs) I have I have actually a big a big it turned into a full length documentary. Originally, it was going to be a inve- small investigative report telling the real story of January sixth. This is going to be debut debuting on July first. Nice. Mm. And what what started off is pretty much yeah you because know, at the times we have a lot of footage that was I mean footage that was leaked to us or given to us stuff that's under seal. And you guys were there, working. right? You were you were there on January sixth. I was reporting there early morning to late night. Yeah. And, um, we, yeah, we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of teams that were reporting and basically we have a lot of footage that I think people have never seen before that shows a very different picture. We have evidence, a uh, video evidence that could be exculpatory for some people mm. facing charges. We have video evidence that the police probably violated multiple, the Capitol police violated multiple, multiple laws on use of force, um, maybe even murder. Frankly, wow. Uh, and yeah, we, we have one of the top use of force experts in the country declaring that, yeah, for example, the killing of Ashley Babbitt was murder. The beating and subsequent death of Roseanne Boylan may, mm. be, may constitute murder. Um, the two other individuals that died of heart attacks died after explosive munitions were thrown at them by police. People don't know that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, we, you know, police literally up on a, on a, a high rise thing firing into the crowd head level with rubber bullets, violating use of force laws, officers, one of them in particular, we have his body cam footage, 
pulling off explosive munitions, lobbing them like blindly into the crowd, uh, pulling, you know, just randomly walking up to people and hitting them with a taser for no reason, not arresting them, just doing it. It looks like out of spite. Mm. Um, really, on uh, normal use of force, that officer should be in prison for, for what he did. And you're really just instigating the crowd. The, the collective picture of that suggests, again, that this would be entrapment. Because if you're using those types of munitions and carrying those types of operations, normally you're doing it for one of two purposes. You're trying to disperse the crowd or you're trying to arrest the crowd. And they were doing neither. They were, they were agitating and instigating the crowd because they weren't dispersing and they weren't arresting, which means it's very likely entrapment. Wow. Under, under any normal definition. So we have all that. We're going to be, we did a ton of interviews. I mean, we've been, again, making trouble for myself. <laughs> a <Ton laughs> well, ton know, of interviews and a lot of, lot of evidence going to be coming out. Wow. And I think that's important evidence. We actually have a couple of Idaho residents here that have been given a, a verdict um, that were there at January, January 6th. Yeah. And are facing, you know, they, they are going to prison for, for a certain amount of time. Um, and one of them is an, is an older lady. She's actually battling cancer right now. Uh, her, her family, my understanding is her family sent her to, to the thing on January 6th as part of a birthday present. And, uh, you know, and now she's, now she's going to be heading, heading to prison. Um, you know, didn't, didn't hurt anybody, didn't touch anybody, you know, didn't destroy anything, you know, nothing like that. And, and she's going to prison. Well, she has a history of liking to go to events, whether she agrees with them or not. Right. And she's kind of like me yeah. in that regard. She's, she, I like, go to a lot of events during the BLM protest. Mm-hmm. She was there every night. I saw her, you know, with live streaming, doing Facebook live happening. Yep. At, and so oh. she was at the January 16th too, doing Facebook live, you know, showing, showing what was going on and, and got caught up in that crowd. And, uh, you know, and, and now, like I said, she's, she's going to, to jail for, for a little bit. Um, and I think we have oh. two or so that are facing that now. Yeah. And, and I do think it'll be a little bit, I, I really do believe people are going to be, um, exonerated eventually, you know, hope, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, because really, you know, I mean, if you look at the whole picture of evidence that's frankly not being shown to the public, and if you post it on YouTube, they'll, they'll delete your video. Yeah. In fact, YouTube just deleted one of my videos. Oh, uh, really? Talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, which is why, you know, I, we have Epic Times have our own video platform, which is Epic TV. So yeah. with my show, I'll do like the first 20 minutes on YouTube, and then we'll do the rest or the full thing exclusively just from Epic TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, because YouTube deletes your videos. In fact, we again, I said we were reporting all day. I, I mean, I was in line probably from like 4 a.m. waiting for, you know, with the, with the press, with the other media. I had to get in line for Trump's speech and set up. And I was there and probably, until probably like 9 o'clock or something, 9 p.m. But, we, you know, we had other reporters there the day, day of also. Yeah, they deleted our entire video. That's amazing. That's amazing. And oh, they don't yeah. give you really any warning or anything, right? It's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they just they just disappear it, and and I mean it, it's 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 frightening to think about because you know I, I the way a lot of my colleagues you know of course Epic Times were started by Chinese dissidents right Chinese right. Americans who escaped escaped communism the way they talk about media is that they view it as historical record and you know it's like Orwell said you know he who controls the past controls the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard other individuals like Trevor Loudon, for example, you know, great guy, um, you know, anti-communist researcher. I also does a show at Epic Times, actually. But, <laughs> you 
you know, he, he's, he's explained it before that pretty much if the left controls the narrative of Trump, we pretty much, even though we know that a lot of the information was false, we know the Trump-Russia thing was a farce. We know that half the stories they had put out were fake. Uh, we know that most of the time, you know, every month they were rolling out a new scandal and every month a new scandal would be debunked. Uh, but if really there's no you know, other side to that or if they can disappear the truth of the other side, those lies become history. And he made the point that, you know, if you think about what the United States is and what it, you know, what it really is, if we don't set, set the record straight on, you know, the real history of the United States and what we are and so on, you have kids are being raised with false, false histories. Yeah. You have news media pushing false histories. That's going to be the memory of what this country is. It's going to be remembered as this racist, you know, country that existed very briefly on the world stage, tried to have, you know, global hegemony and then was defeated by you know, the, the socialist uh, leaders or something like that, you know. Yeah, if if the future is not. This episode is brought to you by Statecraft Consulting. Statecraft Consulting is Idaho's premier political consulting firm. Look, if you're even considering running for office, Statecraft Consulting should be your first call. Reason being is they're going to give you an in-depth analysis of what your race will look like, what kind of money you'll need to raise, how many votes you'll need to convert, and how to put that all together in a formidable action plan. Statecraft Consulting doesn't want to leave you alone in the dark as you try and figure it out. So give them a call. Also, if you're a small business and there's something you are passionate about that you need a lobbyist at the state house, Statecraft Consulting is there. Now I will let you know, Statecraft Consulting is made up of conservative Christians. So if your agenda matches up with that of a conservative Christian, give them a call. Their phone number is 208-994-2063. Please ask for Josh, or you can be reached by email at josh at statecraftconsulting.com. Don't hesitate to reach out. Small businesses are the lifeblood of our economy. Two in every three jobs are created by a small business. They support our local schools, charities, churches, and more. This is exactly why we love to help small businesses grow. Our custom-tailored solutions allow all facets of your marketing to work in a symbiotic way, helping you increase revenue from web design to social media marketing, from local search engine optimization to managing your online reviews. Our custom solutions are built for you. Visit us today at silohillweb.com. This episode is brought to you by Faith Outdoors. Faith Outdoors is more than a gun store. It is an education hub spot. Whether you are a first-time gun buyer, an experienced shooter, or a long-range shooter, Faith Outdoors can help you find what you need to be as efficient as possible. Their staff is some of the most experienced in the Treasure Valley and is made up of retired law enforcement officers and firefighters. Faith Outdoors also is an official dealer of Benchmade knives. Everything sold in-store are items they recommend and use out in the field. So go visit them today, 2200 Cortland Place in Nampa, Idaho. And you know what I love about Mandy and Nate? Their whole family, they're prayer warriors. So if you need prayer, they are happy to pray for you. Just email them at info at faithoutdoorsid.com. You're listening to What's Happening Idaho, the Rhino Slayers. Now, back to your hosts, Josh and Kirsten. I think seized and taken by, by people who have their heads uh, have their heads uh, on their shoulders, right? 
Yeah. No. And, you know, and that's a scary thought. I mean, it, it takes me right back to ni- the 1984 novel and a dystopian type society. You know, is that is that where is that where we're going? I mean, are we heading that direction or are we already there? And it's just, you know, a matter of pulling us back from from the edge, um, you know, and it does make me does make me ponder that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people feel it now. I mean, that, that's a scary thing. I think you're right. A lot, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people are legitimately concerned about this now. And I mean, the set, the real scary thing is, I read nine, I, I read ninety four not too long ago. I read it now, and I'm like reading about the telescreen and stuff. I'm like, you know, it's actually not that bad. It's like it's actually way worse than that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's a very prophetic book now. I mean, you go through it, and you can see where a lot of the stuff that was written. You know, and that book was written in, what, 1948? Uh, you know, a lot of the things that were written, George Orwell wrote, are are part of our society now, are, yeah. are true in our society now. And and that's that's scary to me. That's, a, that's not the direction we should be going. Where do you see things, you know, heading, you know, in the media, um, you know, with uh, truth narratives and misinformation? And, and um, we were just talking earlier about book banning, um, but you know, just censorship in general, uh, where do you see that heading being someone, you know, in, in the media kind of on the ground level there? The way I kind of see things happening right now, basically, I, I think, I think that you do have, you know, individuals and organizations that have enacted this whole centralized plan of where they want the future to go. You have agenda 21, agenda 2030, the United Nations, you have world economic forum signed on with both of those. And also rolling out its own Great Reset. You have the Biden administration with Build Back Better, Cortez with Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. Right? They they all have their China has, you know, their China 2025 and 2030 plans. You know, they all have this idea of where they want the future to go, and they're all kind of pushing very aggressively in that direction. And they, I mean, frankly, we can see it rolling out in that direction. But I think what's being missed is that they lost the will of the people. And mm-hmm. if you understand the nature of government, that government is always really, really, right? Government rules by the consent of the governed, right? <laughs> the yeah. old saying goes, they lost the consent of the governed in 2016 when Trump was elected. Yeah. And you, you had a, and I, I think Trump was more like a, a symptom, not, not, not the cause, but a symptom of that awakening that was already taking place in society. And I think these organizations and individuals saw the writing on the wall and they panicked and they began rapidly trying to censor people. They shut down people's YouTube channels and kicked people off Facebook and deleted uh, Facebook groups that people couldn't organize. And they've done everything they can, I think, to prevent people from having any kind of organization. Meanwhile, you have organizations like Black Lives Matter and Antifa, which really are financed by you know, pretty much the same small group of people financing everything else, um, being propped up to look a lot bigger than they actually are. And this is broadcast in front of everyone's faces nonstop. And I think there's a mass delusion being propped up by the lies of the mainstream media, government reporting, and a handful of, you know, used-to-be respected institutions. But the polling and everything else is showing that people are trusting all of them less and less and less and supporting them all less and less and less. Whereas, you know, the, the phenomena, the unseen element that, you know, I guess you'd call the Trump phenomena, but prior to that, I'd say just this natural awakening people were going through, I think it's picked up steam. And so, you know, for me, 
when I when I do analysis, I try to look at I look at patterns and I look at trajectories. And you know, I, I go a lot by um, you know if you read old books on rhetoric and stuff like that. Like I, I love reading ancient books on rhetoric. I love the Chinese mm-hmm. ones. I love the Greek ones. It's fantastic. A lot of it was based on being able to understand patterns, at least, especially the Chinese ones. Understand patterns and the, and the direction of those patterns. You look at social phenomena and the direction of social phenomena are heading in. And then you look at the attempts to subvert those social phenomena. It's where you get into Hegelian dialectics and early communism mm-hmm. and so on. Right? There's, there's groups that try to redirect, um, you know, redirect the trajectory of historical development. That's the whole basis of, or one of the main bases of Hegelian dialectics. Right, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. You try to change the direction of a process in motion. And we can look at the attempts of that on the, I guess you call it a populist movement and the Trump movement, or even, I think earlier than that, the, uh, you know, the Tea Party movement. And, and not only are they not succeeding, but it's actually turning more and more people against them. I think because people kind of see through it now. We can, we can look at the January 6th panel as a fantastic example of this, mm-hmm. where not only did they fail to capture more supporters, but they push people further to the other side, according to their own polling. Yeah, you know they're 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 losing people increasingly. Right, while things do look destructive and chaotic on the surface, the, the irony of it is that the further they go and the more they push, the more people are waking up. And I th- I think these movements are destroying themselves while they're trying to accomplish their goals. And and the more distrust that that's coming out. I mean, the distrust yeah. is becoming. <laughs> More and more, I mean, I go on, on Facebook and I'll, I'll look, you know, like our local media and they'll put a story out. And Josh, you've probably seen this too, right? When you're cruising through Facebook oh, yeah. and all of the comments under the, you know, it's just all about, oh, you guys are lying again, more misinformation, you know, can't you do a real story? You know, things along those <laughs> lines. And you just see that rhetoric over and over and over again because people don't. I, you're right. I, I really believe you're right that the distrust is huge. But you're leaving out a couple well, people. There yeah. are people in the comments who have fake prescription Coke bottle glasses <laughs> and they're true. sitting there with their chai tea. <laughs> yeah. Purple hair. They're purple still hair, yeah. buying into it all. Yeah. Yep. Still buying into it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But you, you know, one thing I pointed out is a lot. The irony is a lot of these people. In movements, frankly, can only survive through the protection of government. Um, you know, I, I, said, I said before, Antifa wouldn't last a day if local government officials weren't having the police, like, basically not arrest them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or even beyond that, if they weren't making it so that, um, you know, frankly, counter protesters don't beat the, you know, beat the spit out of them. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the irony with these people. They, they, they can't survive without the protection of, of force. Right, and it, which which really contradicts everything they claim they claim to stand for. <laughs> you know I mean? Sure, yeah, it really yeah. does. It really, really does. And you know the the hypocrisy in it all. That's that's always what floors me. I mean, you have the we just had an arrest that happened in northern Idaho. There was what thirty thirty one. 31. 31 guys arrested that were were coming to one of the drag queen um, shows that was what was going on during Pride, Pride Month. Yep. And uh, arrested these guys out of the back of a U-Haul and uh, charged them with, what was it, conspiracy? Conspiracy to riot. 
Yes, conspiracy to riot. Conspiracy to riot. A thought crime. Yes, mm-hmm. a thought crime, like a yeah, minority yeah. report. Yeah, <laughs> and you know the st- and put them through way more than any of the protests that we've seen. You know, the BLM protests or any of the any of the uh, Antifa stuff going on or anything like that. I mean, just amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, they got so well, much media attention. I mean, they are white separatists or whatever. Yes. Um, but there was video. Here's the interesting thing that I've seen since then. They actually put out video because of some sort of jurisdiction thing between the county sheriffs and the local PD. One of the guys got to keep his GoPro on him. Yes. And it recorded the whole thing. And he put the video out before they even left. They said, remember guys, we're not going to fight. We're not going to yell. We're not going to cuss. We're going to stand there silently in protest. That is going to have the biggest impact. So, you know, their beliefs aside, yeah, they weren't going there to riot and burn down the city. You know, Portland does need though what rooftop Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> they need to make a comeback. But no, I mean it, it's it's crazy though. I mean, yeah. you know, you have the the rioters and protesters, and the way that again, the way that the media portrayed that. That it was just this amazing positive thing that, yeah. you know, that, I mean, here here you have fires and stuff and cars on fire and buildings being destroyed. And this is peaceful protesting somehow. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have, you know, you compare that to January 6th and, uh, and you know, the things that transpired there, n- night and day in my mind. Yeah. And yet th- that's what they're focusing on. And with all the stuff going around right now in the United States with inflation and gas prices and food shortages and all that stuff that's going on, and that's where they want to, want to uh, you know, play their cards. Well, and I think that emphasizes the whole point with this, is that these organizations and movements can't survive without protection. Yeah. Right. The, the narrative can't survive without censorship. That, that's the reality of it. The, the movement can't survive without unequal suppression of counter protesters or movements. They can't survive without double standards, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if they allowed the same open policies as they do for like BLM and Antifa to go burn down right. communities and so on, as, as opposed to people going and peacefully protesting somewhere and, and they'll crack down hard on that. If they allow, for example, people to go to the homes of justice, Supreme Court justices and protests and even threaten them and threaten their families, but they, they try to go after parents going to school board meetings and try to get you know counter-terrorism investigations on them. They understand, I, I, in my opinion, these are not shows of strength. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are actually shows of weakness. And, and again, to me, even though on the surface, like I said, I think these things do look really concerning, and frankly, they are concerning. Again, again, they're shows of weakness. They mean that they, they really fear, I think, the public to that extent, that they know they can't actually maintain their narratives and maintain their holds on power sure. if the public is able to, free, able to freely assemble, able to freely communicate with each other, and able to have access to real information. They, they know that they can't survive in a state of freedom. And, and so they're constantly vying against the Constitution and constantly yeah. trying to struggle against basically the people who are supposed to be governing and constantly trying to lie and cover things up. And, and I think they're just failing at it, to be honest. And I think they deep down know they're failing at it. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm hoping that more and more people will continue to to move that direction and wake up to what, you know, what's happening and see what the media, you know, the mainstream media is versus what, 
you know, pl- uh, people like you and, and again, some of the other, other, um, you know, networks that are out there that are, that are reporting real news. I mean, we've, we've had it to where even in, in our state here, you know, there's been local people that have started their own media outlets here, like, you know, what we're doing here on this podcast, but we have like the Ido dispatch and some of those others that have seen where our media has gotten so bad here locally that they've decided to start their own stuff up to try to get real news out there without the bias spin and the agenda push and, and everything else. And so I'm hoping that that's just kind of the direction that, that, that things continue to move and that people do wake up and see what's, what's really transpiring and that, you know, what they're, what they're being told is not really the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that ties into, I think a bigger phenomenon we saw really start up after Biden got elected or came into office, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but um, you know, after Biden came into office, I think a lot of people honestly maybe put a little too much hope in Trump. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 I frankly, I'll, I'll personally probably vote for him, you know, next time around. But, sure. um, you know, I, I think people really realize that, Maybe they put too much hope on one person to fix things. And a lot of people said, well, what do we do now? Yeah. And they realized that, honestly, like, what can you do? There's, there's not a lot of news organizations. I mean, it, 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 I, mean I, I think mine and you, yours and a few others are good. But they, they realized, actually, that, you know, these organizations are under assault. They watched Parler get deplatformed and canceled, you know, destroyed overnight by big tech. And I think people maybe became a little hopeless for a while and then, thought about what can you do and they realized well i gotta do something yeah yeah and it's it's funny i've been seeing more and more that a lot of people have gone through that kind of thought process and they've realized that they can't be silent they've realized they need to actually get engaged in the school boards they need to run for local positions they need to yeah i mean i think maybe the next step is actually get involved on the grassroots level but not join an organization maybe start their own Right. Even if it's like a group of like 20 friends just starting like a political discussion group or something like that. People are realizing, you know, I think I think what the founding fathers, honestly, I think what they intended, which is that we're, we're a system that's supposed to be governed by the people. Right. And the, the people means me and you and your neighbor and the guy down the street, and so, you know, so on and so on. All of us are supposed to have a stake and some level of involvement in, in, in the system. That's the nature of the government uh, that we've been left with. Yeah. Well, and I've always said, you know, it is supposed to be a government by and for the people. But if the people aren't part of that process, then it doesn't function correctly. Yeah. And, and exactly. we're, we're seeing that. We're seeing how that transpires. And when the people are removed, then gover- government becomes tyrannical. Yeah. You know. Josh, one thing I always get concerned about, I hear what you're saying as far as getting involved in groups. I tend not to. I'm I'm a precinct committee member with the Republican Party, and that's about it. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I get concerned about, I think we do have an issue with, with our FBI. Uh, here in the United States, we, we have, we have we a huge issue where they're trying to arrest moms and, and make them out to be terrorists for going to school board meetings and saying, how dare you put this smut in front of my children? You know, they they oftentimes set people up and they'll infiltrate a group and it could just be a political group. I mean, we saw at January 6th where that guy was saying tomorrow we're taking on the Capitol. We're, we're storming the Capitol, right? Turns out. Yeah. It it looks like he was uh, an FBI informant. And I, I always get terrified of a Rico act because I remember there's a gentleman from Alaska. And if I remember correctly, he got thrown in prison 
uh, his name was Schaefer Cox. I believe one of the big things he got in trouble for was something that the informant actually said. And all I could think was, man, if, if I was involved in a group and then FBI paid somebody to get involved <laughs> and then they say something crazy, I don't want to go down for like a Rico act for something they say, <laughs> right? you know, and, and that's, that, that actually is one of the big concerns I think these days about any kind of organizing. And actually that, that's something I've been thinking about too, because I, I did mention that people should, you know, maybe make groups with their friends. And that is the other side of it, too, is it's hard to have physical groups these days because they do. I mean, like those individuals you mentioned, Tammy, the uh, Patriot Front, I believe it was, in their U-Haul van mm-hmm. with their GoPro mm-hmm. saying, you know, we're going to stand there peacefully and they get arrested for thought crime. Right. <laughs> right. As, as they're rolling in. They, they do do that to people. That, that is a reality. And then, then they try to claim that any kind of uh, conservative view is a type of extremism these days, which is the more, more crazy part of it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the solution is getting involved individually on the local level, you know, going to your, really going to your political meetings and you know, maybe organizing on, on, a, on a less uh, organized grassroots level. <laughs> I think it really has to get back to the grassroots. I think it has to be, you know, I mean, and I am seeing that happening in yeah. several, several areas. I mean, because government's multi-layer and you have the local level, you know, or your counties and cities, you have your state level, you have kind of everything in between and there's so many different meetings that you could attend and you know and and finding out what's happening at your school board or your city council but unless you're and you know people you know go to the meetings I, I encourage people to go to the meetings but unless you're willing to actually do something about some of the issues that are taking place it, it's not going to do you any good to become a professional yeah. meeting attender um, and so you do have to get involved in some way way and you know that's one of the things as a representative I've, I've really worked on is helping people get involved in the governmental process and, and giving them the tools for they can do, they can do the work and, and, you know, put forth the effort to be able to make those changes that they're wanting to see. Um, you know, whether it's writing legislation or speaking at, at meetings or, or just learning the process of government. I mean, yeah. just that in itself is a huge important thing is knowing the process and understanding how it works um, and, and letting people know that they do have, the ability they do have the control and they can they can make differences in their backyards yeah well i think people see that especially here in Canyon county right uh, when you look at idaho kootenai county of course is always leading the way yeah but king and we we have shocked the rest of the state with how conservative we've become and it's because of the grassroots work that we've done i mean the my goodness the the, the miles educating we've walked, the educating <laughs> yeah. all the events all these grassroots things i mean the phone calls the text messages you name it, we did it. Right. You know? And and we've we've upset the establishment here. We, we really have. Rid of them. Yeah, we've we <laughs> really had a lot of good involvement in our elections this last time, and people yeah. were really standing up. And you know, a lot of them are the new people that have that have moved here too. Because if if you don't know, Josh, we've had just a ton of people moving to, to Idaho here, um, especially from California, because they're so tired of what's transpiring in, in their state. And so we have just this influx of new people. And so it's been on educating them and helping them, you know, understand what politics is like in Idaho, that everybody with an R by their name doesn't mean that they are a conservative Republican. And uh, and then getting them involved in, in being part of that process. And some of them have even ran for precinct committeemen mm-hmm. or, or ran for, you know, state legislator and, and many of them won. Yeah. So that was a really, really good thing um, to transition our, our county and several parts of the state, you know, back over to, to real conservatism and, and the real Republican 
platform that we that we say that we stand for. So so you're right, and and that is that is part of it is getting people involved. Um, you know, we have little control of what happens in D.C. We really do little control, yeah. but we can control what's happening in our backyards. That's you know that's often what I say too is you know people talk about you know change and and I always say this that I am joking right yeah. I do not mean this but it is it is a metaphor right if somebody in Washington D.C. if they all go to vote to change something I can't drive to all their houses and burn them down right. but I can come <laughs> I can travel locally. the state pretty easily right Obviously. and we're not advocating we're not advocating I think I think Antifa would actually they actually would <laughs> I think they've, they've they've made they've made some real efforts you know? yeah. Right. Well, you know, yeah. I, and I mean that in a joking way, and I and I say that, and I know I can get away with saying that because I know many of our legislators, Senate and House, I know them, and what I really mean by that is Idaho's unique. You can, I mean, my goodness, my co-host isn't available. I have, you know, our next senator in my district <laughs> sitting down and co-hosting for a second time in a row. You've been on our podcast now. This is the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth time. I yeah, don't know. a few times. Yep. So. You know, it's one of those things that we can access you guys. Yeah. You guys, we can we can implement the change that we want to see. We can change it at the local level. But you're absolutely right. I can't do anything about DC from here. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's true. So Josh, what do you what do you see coming up as far as like you know, one of the big things we're kind of anticipating here in Idaho is on the Supreme Court ruling on on the the Dobbs decision and what's gonna happen with that. Um I went to a Planned Parenthood uh, rally a few weeks ago and there was probably I don't know two or three thousand people that that attended that all very much in support of keeping keeping the Dobbs decision and Roe, Roe, Roe v. Wade and making sure that you know that that they have access to all the abortion that they want um, you know so what do, what are you seeing um, on your level with transpiring with the Supreme Court and the different rulings that they may be coming uh, down with on on decisions well, I, I think the I think the left, the, the real left in this regard, is, is going to have a hard wake up call that threats of violence that you know going to the homes of Supreme Court justices and threatening their families. Which stuff. our media really did not cover that when it <laughs> happened. I was really surprised <laughs> that they did not cover that. And but yeah, I think they're going to have a hard wake up call that not only does that not work, but it probably hardened a lot of these Supreme Court justices. So now they have it in their interest to, without a doubt, make sure that they repeal, you know, Dobbs and make Roe v. Wade, you know, go go the way of the, the dodo, right? Yeah. <laughs> because if they don't, they're going to be sending the messages to these people. Hey, if you come to my house and threaten my children and protest, you know, you're going to get what you want, right? Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's where it's at now. If, if they vote in a way that satisfies these people, they're going to be sending them a message that, hey, yeah, uh, next time I'm going to do something, just threaten my kids again, because mm-hmm. that's what worked last time. They're not going to do it. And and I think we're going to have, you know, of course, the, the screeching and the, the burning and all that stuff right afterwards. But it's not going to work out for them either, because you have the January 6th committee trying to say those exact same, not, I mean, not even that far, but behavior of that sort, which wasn't even as extreme as that. Um, is insurrection, yeah, and it's going to blow it. It's going to blow up their whole, you know. I, I think their whole narrative they've been trying to push is, is pretty much their entire platform for the midterm. Um, it's a lose lose situation, no matter how you look at it. For them, as mm. far as I see it, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so do you think there's going to be some shenanigans that come into play for, for the November election? Or or are you expecting a red wave? I mean, where, what are your thoughts in regards to the upcoming November elections? Um, I'm expecting a red wave to the extent that our election system is still functioning as it should. <laughs> and, and, per, and personally, I do, I, I'm actually relatively hopeful. And remember when Biden came out and he declared that they have the biggest voter fraud, you know, system that's ever been used in history. Exactly, <laughs> there was something along those lines, right? Right? You know, Biden is really good at saying the quiet part out loud. You just can't keep it quiet. <laughs> quiet to try to prevent from, talk, from talking to the media, if at all possible. That's anytime, why they try right? to pull him away from the microphone every once in a while yeah. and get him yeah, to go to, They just wrestle it out of his hand and you know, like uh, you know, lure him off stage. You know. Yeah. Um, but I think they had they had to mobilize a lot of, a lot to do that to rig the election as hard as they did back in 2020 and and I, I don't think they're going to have the ability to do that one on that large of a scale again and two on on as many local elections and on such a you know micro level as, as they did at that time and three I don't think they're they're going to be able to do it in a lot of the areas where they would need to do it because frankly you know frankly. Uh, you know, it was easy. It was easier, I think, in 2020 because they just had to focus on a few key swing states. We're dealing with the entire country, um, a whole nother issue. And I, yeah. I don't think they have the ability to do it. Not to mention that even if you don't believe in voter fraud, even if we totally ignore that and just pretend none of that ever happened, um, a lot of the problems did come about through COVID policy. And people, for example, governors, whoever, you know, by, or, you know, bypassing the state legislature in ways that weren't legal happen here in Idaho in order to, you know, there you go, in, or, in order to change election laws yep. and that loosening of the election laws, what people had problems with. So in my opinion, if they, if they win fair and square, so be it. But frankly, I don't think they can win fair and square. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, and, and you know, the elections, I mean, election integrity has become a huge issue all over the nation. And, you know, we have States, you know, Texas just came out with, they're saying, saying that they they believe that Biden did not win the, the presidency. That, that was not legitimate. Um, you know, in Idaho, we've had a lot of uh, talk about election integrity and, and where where do we need to to focus on strengthening up our some of our election laws. And um, Heritage Foundation came out with a, a rating on all the states on where they stood uh, in election integrity and on their on their election laws. And uh, I believe Idaho came in at 34th. Uh, in the nation. So, so there's definitely room for improvement. Um, I think you're right. I think COVID did um, put, put a, a lot of sight onto, you know, what's transpiring with our elections and, and the governor's making those changes. I mean, ours changed the date of our, our election, uh, which was not within his purview of, of governmental authority. That was definitely deemed for the legislature to be able to do. And the legislature was completely kept out of that process. So that was wrong. Um, and, and I believe there should have been a lawsuit in regards to that. Um, but we're, we're seeing where, you know, people are now looking at, at what their election laws are and, and, and if they're, if, if they need to be strengthened, you know, and Dinesh D'Souza did, did his 2000 mules and that, that exposed a lot of what was transpiring in that, that regard. So, you know, are, do you see a similar theme in a lot of the states on, on where elections need to be strengthened or, or some of the issues, um, you know, and is, is, is COVID going to come back around again and, and, and try to make a, try to make a, a second play on, on what's happening with elections? <laughs> Well, I think this goes back to that whole consent of the governed issue. 
um, I think I think there's too much pressure at the grassroots level for them for them to really mm-hmm. be able to do what they did in 2020 on as many elections as they would have to do to win. Basically, you know, they're, they're even losing the Latino vote at this point. Remember, under Obama, they had like 80 percent of the Latino vote. Now they're freaking out. I think right. <laughs> Um, in fact, in fact, I think it's like 38 or 42 percent now say they're going to vote for Trump, and I think only like 32 or less. I can't remember the exact numbers, but Trump Trump is doing better with Latinos than Biden. Wow! By, by a pretty large by a pretty large margin. And then what do you have? Of course, you have George Soros come out and start pouring money into yeah. into Spanish language media, and then you have the Democrats roll out the Ministry of Truth, the Disinformation Governance Board with the stated purpose of countering disinformation in Spanish, right? Right. <laughs> because because they're afraid they know they know they're losing voters. They know they're losing this entire community that they thought they, you know, have for you know, for the foreseeable future. Sure. The other side of it is remember even on election night, even with all the stuff that Dinesh showed, all the fraud Dinesh so showed in his documentary, everything, you still had the Biden bump. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Where where they froze the elections in Georgia because they, they said that they had flooding. It turns like, I think a toilet overflowed or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then, and then suddenly they decided to freeze the election in all the other key swing states simultaneously. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you watch these two trajectories of, of the Trump, you know, votes and the Biden votes. And you just have this vertical spike of votes all of a sudden for Biden. <laughs> I remember the shirts that came out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That goes. That goes only until it goes above Trump, and then continues with the normal trajectory again. Like I don't think they're going to be able to do that on every single local election in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, e- even even a handful. I don't think they'd be able to do it. And if they did, frankly, it'd be in a district where they control things so completely thoroughly enough, it wouldn't make much of a difference anyway. Um, you, you know, you mentioned. In other words, I think it would mean that they'd probably only be able to do that in like really entrenched areas where they already pretty much control everything. Sure. Um, and you mentioned as well that the Texas story, the Texas, the Texas GOP mm-hmm. just declared that Biden is not a legit, the legitimately elected president of the United States. And I, I think that actually didn't get as much weight in the media as it probably should have. <laughs> that, that, that was, that they was probably are trying to suppress it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, they just determined and stated that Biden was not legitimately elected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so, so yeah, I mean, and I, I would say that that is kind of the, uh, the pulse of the country right now. That, that that's the important, I, I always think of, of Texas kind of like the heart of America. There's, you know, what, what happens in Texas is, is the pulse mm-hmm. flows through the whole country. And, I think everybody's kind of feeling that right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would agree. I mean, I've talked to many, many people here in the state, in Idaho, and many of them do not feel, even if they even if they won't say it was voter fraud, they do not feel that Biden was, was the legitimately elected president. <laughs> have, Tammy, have you heard of anybody planning on bringing a resolution like that? Um, you know, I know that there's one being worked on in regards to um, the electoral college, and, um, you know, and, and trying to, to, what do I want to say, um, 
make it to where we don't have the flip-flopping going where we have um, Democrats registering as Republicans mm, and vice okay. versa. And um, But I don't know if there's one actually coming out yet in regards to saying Biden is not a legitimate president. Yeah. But I think it would be a great one to bring I forward. Could, yeah, I could see somebody just copying Texas's and... And just, yeah, yeah bringing it out. And that's probably why the media is trying to suppress it is because if it gets out there, you'll yeah. have all these other red states, especially that are going to say, hey, let's adopt that in our in our party platform, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's just going to take a couple of different states to do that, to make, to make some waves. And and that was the Texas GOP. So, it of course, wasn't like the Democrats. Right. But, Absolutely. You know, it, but I, I, I could see the Texas or, other, you know, GOPs in other states or even not GOPs, just other political groups across the United States signing similar resolutions. And, you know, I guess this, this goes back to what we talked about, this kind of grassroots wave. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the Texas GOP is grassroots. Uh, I really think that this, this is what's going to swing things. And I, I think this is also why, again, I'm mentioning that the left finds it so necessary to, to make sure people can't have discussions online with their friends and so on. They, 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 they know they have to suppress things. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, and that's the way that they try to play it too, is they, by suppressing information then, and, and putting out their own twist onto, onto that information, then I think you're right. That's the only way that they can keep, try to keep control of things because they're, they're, the actual information is not going to benefit them. It's not going to benefit their agenda or what they're trying to do or anything. Um, it's going to expose what they're, what they're, what they're really about. And, you know, they're kind of like cockroaches <laughs> and, and they like to be yeah. in the dark and they don't want the lights shined on them. And uh, once that light is shining on them, it exposes them and then, then they have to scurry away. So, so yeah, I think, I think you're right. Well, you know, the other side of this too, is that a lot of their narratives are really easy to debunk. Yeah. Um, I mentioned, of course, you know, we're getting ready to release this big, it turned into a full documentary. It wasn't intended to be at first, but documentary on the real, it's called The Real Story January 6th, and then at the time, July 1st. Um, you know, of course, we, we started this before the January 6th hearings, so I, I had some conversations with the other main reporter we have on that, um, Joe Joe Hanuman, our main reporter for January 6th at the time, really great guy. And, you know, the January 6th committee comes out, and I'm like, all right, Joe, so you know, what's the verdict? How's it looking? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, did we, you know, did we get things right? Do we need to correct anything before we put this out? And he's like, no, like literally, one, they have nothing. And two, everything they're saying is actually false. And not, not only false, but really easy to debunk. And so it, it, that's the thing, you know, you can, you can tell a thousand lies, but if they're built on like, you know, basically an unstable foundation. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have a lot of you have a lot of narratives built on the January sixth narrative, and it's an unstable foundation. Yeah, um, if you if you debunk just the the few key lies holding that whole rope together, the whole thing is going to unravel. And I really think, uh, hopefully, you know, I think people will wake up, and uh, I, I I do think that presenting people with the real information on it is going to bring things very strongly in that direction. Yeah, at the very least. I think uh, public officials watch it. I, I think that it will have some huge waves. So we'll, see. well, I'm hoping so. And I think that's why they had to hire, 
you know, who did they hire? Some some gentleman a- from ABC. ABC, the ABC. Yeah. The, a- they- the, a- the ABC guy who covered up for Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They yeah. they literally hired him to stage the production. <laughs> like it was some high school <laughs> production show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he was he was the guy who killed the Epstein story, like, you know, sexual abuse and trafficking of children. That's the guy. That's the and guy that's, that's who they brought in to to oversee yeah. the committee for January 6th. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So one other thing we'd like to touch on with you, because I know you've been involved in some of this, is in regards to education and school choice. And while you're here in Idaho, we did some uh, interviews in regards to sex and education. And and at that time, we were running House Bill 666, which had to do with a loophole with, you know, places like libraries and universities and and schools and stuff to be able to uh, give out smut uh, to, to children basically or suggestive material, which if I did that or either any of us did that, uh, in general, we could be, you know, there could be police charges brought upon us for, for distributing that kind of content. But, um, uh, but you were here and you did some interviews and you know, what, what are you seeing happening? Cause, uh, the education issue is a huge, huge issue here. And school choices is, is becoming more and more of a popular dialogue to have, um, Parents are demanding it all over the United States. Uh, we're seeing states even, you know, less conservative than Idaho is um, implementing school choice. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that here yet in Idaho, but we're hoping to be able to do that this next session. And, uh, you know, we just really feel strongly that that's the direction that, that education needs to go because of what's transpiring. So so what are you seeing on that level and, and where are you going with, you know, um, uh, any stories or anything like that that you're working on? Oh, yeah. Well, so I am working on more of a long-term, another documentary, but this is probably several months out still, um, a documentary on the comprehensive sex ed programs and international programs tied to it, including international Planned Parenthood, and ironically, the World Health Organization, Mm. the two main organizations pulling a lot of the strings on this. Um, But really looking at the fact that they, they are, I think, textbook definition grooming children frankly yeah Yeah. um you know they're they're having things like exercises like telling kids to close their eyes imagine they're the opposite sex and really you know how how do you how do you feel what is it like i mean like 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 what you do in like a self-hypnosis like new age party or something like that like you're talking yourself into this yeah (laughs) yeah this in health class or what yeah they're doing this to the kids wow you know one, one one thing i've found going out and talking yeah, i've been a journalist since 2006 i've been to a lot of events to put it that way mm-hmm. one thing i found talking to people and you know what you know what what got you involved in this movement what got you involved in politics there's a few things that really really get people out i think among conservatives abortion gun rights tend to be two of the big ones but mm-hmm. what you see getting people actually involved more than anything is anything that affects their children yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, moms—they're like the—they're uh, like—they're like the sleeping giant of this country. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's how I you got involved. Enough, <laughs> yeah, oh, there you, there you, go. you get enough moms angry, you're going to be in trouble. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. Don't mess with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> Call in the feds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and we're seeing this. And, and funny enough, actually, just today, in fact, I interviewed a Brazilian journalist. Um, you know, you know, he's in Florida, but. We were talking about George Soros buying up, uh, you know, Spanish language media and how he's kind of sees Latino communities being affected by it. And he was like, well, look, you know, Latinos, 
and this is his analysis, right? He's a Latino journalist. Um, he says a lot of them do tend to support like, you know, government, like welfare programs and you know, things like that. But mm-hmm. they tend to be more conservative in terms of like religion, like religiously conservative. And so they tend to not like things that go against their religion. And if you start calling them Latin X oh, and you yeah. start trying to sexualize their kids and push those types of things, they're going to turn against you. Like they're not going to support you. Yeah. And in his view, he thinks that's what's causing really a lot of Latinos to stop supporting the Democrat party. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that that's probably why the Democrats are freaking out so bad and trying to, to the extent that they started disinformation governance board to, you know, quote unquote, counter uh, Spanish language disinformation yeah. because they're, te- they're terrified of people being exposed to information that's showing them the truth and they're waking up. Yeah. Because again, you know, you don't mess with people's kids. Right. No, that's true. And, you know, I've, I've been to many Spanish speaking countries and there is a huge support network. The, the family is very important to them and, you know, they, they help each other out and uh, they're very proud of their families and their kids and, you know, and, and, and helping them to become good adults. And, you know, you, you don't mess with their kids. They do not want you messing with their kids. <laughs> and they have that, that, that close-knit, you know, family relationship. And, and it is crucial to, to them. Yeah. yeah. But, but well, we're seeing know, you, that. You, we're seeing okay. that happening, though, everywhere. I mean, we're, we're seeing, like you're saying, Planned Parenthood and some of those organizations really trying to entrench themselves into the education system and into, you know, into that network and, uh, you know, and, and pushing things that are definitely, you know, I mean, in our area of Idaho, it's very conservative. I think if a lot of parents knew if those things were happening in their schools, they would be just outraged. And, and we've seen outrage happening here with, you know, books in, in the libraries and, um, you know, masking of children and, and some of these other things that have been transpiring. Um, you know, and it just, it's, it just seems to be where you think you've heard it all and then something else comes out and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't believe that there, that that's happening too. So I think the latest I just heard was some teacher was proclaiming that she had had sexual relationships with one of her students or something to her class and it got caught on, on film or something and uh, just crazy stuff wow. going on. But we are seeing this push and we are seeing the sexualization of children in, in many, many different ways. And, uh, you know, and just how bad is it going to get? And, and, and I think that's why, again, school choice is becoming such a huge um, topic and such an important topic to families um, because parents want the majority of parents, I should say, want the best education for their students. And they don't want this other crap that's coming into the schools. They want their kids to learn how to read and write and to be able to solve math problems and get them prepared for, you know, for, for being able to, to continue learning. And, and instead they're getting, you know, transgenderism and sexualization and wokeism and, and all this other stuff. And, and, 1619 project. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And that's not what parents want. That's not what they want for their children. Well, when an eight year old comes home and says, I'm a pansexual. Yeah. Never heard before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. After you, after you Google it and figure out what it is, <laughs> <What>? you're pissed. <laughs> you're like, no, that's not happening. Well, well, it's one of those things, right? You know, like a, a turtle on the on, on the pole, like 
you know, he didn't get there by itself, you know? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, the kid starts using a word you've never heard before. You know, someone taught him that word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. a kid, you know, young coming home and saying, I'm asexual. And after you Google it and you figure out that it's somebody who's not interested, it's like, well, no crap. You're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as you should be. As yeah. you should be, right? <laughs> this is good. But why we are we talking about this in let's, school? Let's, let's not make up words. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's just. Let's keep keep it that way until you're married, right? Right. <laughs> but we shouldn't be ta- having this discussion in school yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here, here we are, right? Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. So are you are you seeing? I mean, is there an outcry that you're seeing in places that you're visiting and people you're talking to for for that school choice and 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 these things that are coming out in in education? I mean. We, we talked briefly, like I said, about some of the books earlier that, you know, we're seeing in, in the schools and how school boards are now starting to come out here locally saying, no, we're not allowing those books. And they're trying to label the school board members as book banners, even though they're not banning books, they're just removing them from, from that, that library, which is in their purview to do. Um, but are you, are you hearing about that more? Or is that becoming, coming more of an issue? Well, I, I think on the local level, parents are kind of waking up to what's going on. And the media is taking its own spin on things. And the media is trying to say, oh, look at these evil conservatives. Uh, they want to ban the books. They're, they're just like the Nazis burning <laughs> books on the street. And then they don't talk about the context of what those books are. Where, I mean, I, you know, Pam, you, I think you had several we went over. Mm-hmm. The, book, the, books they're, look, the books they're banning are things that promote incest mm-hmm. and have graphic graphic depictions of incest things that have graphic depiction of like really bizarre homosexuality poems about incest i mean it's it's not it's not only pornographic it's like abnormal pornographic Mm -hmm. and and i think that's what people don't realize i mean some of the i mean not to get graphic myself but look if this makes you squeamish imagine if you were like an eight-year-old kid right They, they have they have books talking about types of like sexual activity that I've never even like imagined. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never heard an adult talk about in my life, like, like blood play. I'm not even joking. Wow. Like, I mean, freaky stuff and, and they're making it like it's completely normal. And, and that, that, that when you get into the idea of what comprehensive sexual, sexual education is, um, that's what it is. It, it's the normalization of every type of fetish of every type of sexual activity no matter how normal or how utterly bizarre it is. And the way, the only way the media, I think, has managed to convince people that, hey, look at these evil conservatives trying to get rid of books is by not showing people what the books actually contain. Yeah, you know? right. We were just talking about that. I actually ordered the book, It's Perfectly Normal, uh, which shows a lot of graphic, oh, uh, there you go. graphic yeah, images. Yeah. And it's because we were saying it before. I said it's not enough for me to say this shows homosexual sex between two men, two women, it shows this, it shows, it's, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. I got to carry this thing around so I can say, tell me how this is appropriate, how you want yeah. my 11 Look year at old this. to be able to access Look at these this. pictures. <laughs> like, Look at this exactly. information. I mean, when we were running 666 on, on the house floor and the examples that we had, we had to put a disclaimer on yeah. top of it. For the committee to be able to look at it, to let them know that there was going to be explicit material in here. And when it came to the floor, they wouldn't even allow us to to just to distribute that material out on the floor. It had to be in an office and people could go look at it if they if they chose to do so. So, I mean, but yet it's we're we're saying, oh, but this is OK for kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not okay for the house floor. It's not okay for the house floor <laughs> for the legislators to look at it, but it's okay to have it in the classroom. That's that's something that should maybe, you know, cause pause. Right. It's not okay for us to look at as as elected officials. We cannot adults. look at it. Adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> grown with kids, grandkids. <laughs> not okay for us well, to look at. But we want to this gets back. Yeah. Yeah, this gets back to the point we were talking about earlier. Um, the only way they can maintain things is by preventing people from discussing it and preventing people from seeing it yeah. and preventing people from you know, honestly just being basically informed. Right. The, the, thing, the things they're doing cannot stand the light of day and they know it, uh, which is why I think, again, even though it looks kind of shocking, it's shock and awe tactics on the surface, they know that if people understand what they're doing, it's not going to last. And, and they know that people are waking up to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. exposing it. Yeah. And they don't want it exposed and they want people to just, I mean, and that's why, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of those things happen, especially here. Um, and I'll even hear it on the house floor is, you know, we'll have a different subject like the sex, sex and education that we're talking about. And here's books that we actually got from the library, you know, to, to show. And you'll have people stand up and say, well, that's not happening in my area or that's not happening yeah. in my school district or that's not happening in my library. And you're like, how do you know that for sure? Did, have you gone and looked? Have you looked to see what's actually transpiring? And, you know, parents have every, every reason to be concerned about this because I think that's part of the awakening that's going on is parents are realizing, oh, well, I, had, I thought that there was just good things that were happening in my school district. And now I'm finding out that there's this stuff these books in my library or my kids are being exposed to to x y and z and you know because people people most of the time want to believe the that the the best of people right they want to believe that people have good intentions and yeah. that the people that are educating your kids or or are um you know working with your kids on different different things are are doing what's best but unfortunately, we don't live in that world. No. And we have a lot of people that have nefarious ideas and desires and thought into what what they're going to try to do or what they want to do. And, you know, we have pedophiles. We have people that exist in our society that are that are like that, that will do harm to children. And uh, and then we have this wokeism that's going on. And we have, you know, teachers, unfortunately, coming out of colleges and universities that are being taught wokeism and and you know the, the whole transgender stuff and and that push is becoming more and more um and and they don't have a problem with sexualizing children and uh, and yet and so now parents are starting to figure out oh wait this is what's happening and what i thought was happening isn't really what's happening and now what do i do about it yeah well you know it's not just the problem of going to the library because you're right people say oh that's not in my local library and maybe a parent will be shocked and they go look and like mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness. It's not at this library. Maybe it's checked out. Maybe it's not. But we have right. the problem now where this is all being put online. Yeah, it's online. In a, cat- you know, in a catalog. Right. Where you can access it still. Right. And, you know, in that instance, if they're going to have stuff like that, because there's obviously books anywhere you go, right, that are going to have graphic material. There should be age restrictions. It should be you put somewhere. Sight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think, I think, you know, there's, there's going to be more and more demand for school choice. And, you know, after parents started getting labeled as, as domestic terrorists (laughs) and should be investigated by the FBI for going to the school boards, I think that really woke parents up 
to what was transpiring and how dare you you start you know going after parents because they're concerned about what's happening in in their children's education yeah so you know the, the ties into i think just one last issue which is i think people don't realize how effective this person-to-person communication is every person has friends and family members every person has at least a mother and a father if not brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles um you know, you, you do one thing to one person. It, it's not only a wake-up call for that one person, but oftentimes for every every member of their family and every person in their friend circle, because everybody's going to end up knowing somebody who knows somebody who was threatened, you know, as a terrorist, essentially, for, for going to a school board meeting. Um, you know, word of mouth actually spreads a lot faster than people may realize. Mm-hmm. And even if they censor Facebook groups and they try to, try to censor the media, you know, word gets around fast. Even, for example, people who, you know, will watch a show like mine, for example, you're, you're going to get this news. People who refuse to watch it are going to hear still some bits of it through friends and family members who will watch it. Sure. And and so really, I think truth does prevail and it does have that power in the end. Um, I think it's just sometimes a gradual process is all. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. Josh? Where can we find more information about you and also see your documentaries coming up? Uh, so you can find it all on Epic TV. That's E-T-O-C-H-T-V.com. Cool. Is there a Roku app for that? I think there is. I think we do have Roku app. I think you do, yeah. I, 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 I personally haven't used it. I know <laughs> people mention they use it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a game changer when you can watch something. I, I watched What is a Woman, right? And I, wa- I was watching <laughs> yeah. it on my phone. I'm like, eh. And I was like, I'm going to look and see if it's on Roku. And sure it, was. it was. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming on today. And, you know, and thanks for all the work that you're doing and, and uh, you know, exposing the information that you do. It's it's nice knowing that there's there's media sources, again, out there that are trying to bring real news and real information without spinning it or, or having an agenda behind it. It's just giving us the information, the facts and, and letting the, the viewers and the readers, you know, decide for themselves what they think. So it's nice that there, there's still that element of, of real media that's out there. And, uh, you know, we look forward to the, the documentaries that you have coming out. Um, I'm sure those will, will do, do well and people will yes. enjoy viewing those. Um, and, uh, we look forward to the other, other information, the other documentaries that you'll be working on that will be coming out as well. Yeah. And again, the show is called Crossroads and you said it was July, what day for the January 6th one? Uh, July 1st. Will be July 1st. Day. I'll That'll be, be great. It. Yeah. I'll be watching it too. It'll be great oh, for Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We, actually, no, interestingly enough, we're talking about with the King County Republican Central Committee, having things available like movies or viewings for people to, to be able to, be able to, to come and watch. Yeah. So maybe we'll see if we can't work that in and, and maybe we'll have to reach back out to you here, Josh, about that. Yeah, that'd be, ac- that'd be excellent. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And have a wonderful rest thank of your day. You, thank you also. I was wondering how the podcast would be bringing on somebody who, who has a television show and all that. And, you know, a lot of name notoriety to him as well because yeah. of Crossroads. That's 
really good show. And he's interviewed lots and lots mm-hmm. of people that, you know, probably a lot of our, you know, people that are listening right now are familiar with. I mean, Dinesh D'Souza, he did not too long ago mm-hmm. and he's done Matt Walsh and, you know, he's, he's very up to date on all the issues, all the things that are going on within politics and, and that realm. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I get to talk to him every once in a while and we'll touch bases about what's transpiring and just talk about the issues that are going on. And, um, yeah, so he's, he's a wealth of knowledge and he does a great job with his shows and he also has a podcast. Uh, his shows are on the, on, um, Spotify and, and oh, cool. those things too. So you can listen to him there as well, but yeah, great guy. Yeah. We need to, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people saying like that they like having these types of guests on mm-hmm. because even though they're not necessarily in Idaho, a lot of the stuff that is happening outside of Idaho impacts Idaho. Oh, still. absolutely. So I want to continue to try and get on guests like this. It's a sure. lot of fun. And, and I think people are going to love this episode. So if you're listening to this episode and you like this and you want to see this kind of content continue to come, let me know Josh at Idaho's podcast.com. And if you've got a suggestion for a guest and maybe you've got a hookup, put them in touch with us. Or even if you don't, I may have a, a way to do. <laughs> I, I've networked a lot over the you last have. few years, so yeah. and it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. I love getting to know new uh, you know new people, people that are doing different types of works. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's good. It's good for me. It's good for them. And and I like I like getting people on that can give more insight, more information. Yeah. Well, you've been a wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate having you on. I was sitting here thinking about. It. I was listening to you talk and. And I kind of got quiet for a minute because I was like, man, she's doing a really good job. Hmm, how can we build this into the brand? I'm like, maybe I should set up a podcast studio in her office at the Capitol so that she there can we go. a weekly show. For Absolutely. Us. Especially while we're in session. What That's a great what time, right? To be able to just talk about the issues and what's what's transpiring in the legislative yeah. level. I'm not trying to put pressure on you Absolutely with us being not. on no. where people can hear it, but... I'm doing this intentionally right now. I think it would be great. <laughs> well, I'm all about transparency. You know, I mean, we really started trying to get more information out during the session, you know, yeah. by, by taking screenshots of the voting boards and by doing videos periodically. And, and, you know, we do our newsletters and everything like that. And of course I'm on social media. I'm always putting stuff out there, but I think it's really important. I mean, you know, not everybody has all the time in the world to keep up with what's happening yeah. in Idaho politics. So the more we can do, the better. Maybe I'll maybe I'll actually bring it to your house that way because I know you guys don't have the biggest of desks, and you probably want to get home at times, and you can just do it at your leisure. Uh, and I live close by you, so I could just get the. SD I'm sure card. we could work something out at the Capitol, though, because we have plenty of room. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> There's lots of room, that's, so that's so very we true. we'll figure out something. We'll figure cool. out a way to do it. It'd be fun. All right, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate. Yeah, you thanks for having again. me on again. I appreciate it. And let's do it soon again. Absolutely, anytime, anytime. Right. Perfect. Well, thanks again for joining us, everybody. Again, thank you to our future Senator Tammy Nichols and current Representative. And thank you for all that you've done at the Capitol for us. My pleasure. All right, everybody, be blessed. You've been listening to What's Happening Idaho. Idaho's conservative voice. If it's happening on the right, we're talking about it. And if it's happening on the left, we're laughing about it. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. You can hear the show on every major podcast site and find out more about us at the website at www.idahospodcast.com. See you next time on What's Happening Idaho.